night tonight, I tell you, I am overwhelmed by the young people that are here tonight, and, and I just want to go on record. I'd take a pie every night in the face to have an opportunity to be with kids like that, and I really mean that. Thank you, young people, for being here tonight. Jason has done a great, great job, and all the workers that work with him, thank you all so much uh, for your labor of love to these young people. And I just want to just take a moment. I know we have a long night tonight, and we need to get through as soon as possible, but I just want to just take just a moment to say thank you to the church for allowing us to be here this week. Uh, I have been ministered to a lot more than what you've been ministered to, and I've just been overwhelmed by your love and your support and your encouragement and all of your kind words, and thank you for just allowing us uh, to be here, and Brother Charles inviting me to come. Uh, I, I, I can assure you, I needed this week a lot more than what you needed it, and it has certainly blessed my heart. I was telling my daughters that I said, I want to I said I want bring y'all back up here December to the, to the Christmas musical, and, uh, and, and so they said, fine. And then my youngest daughter called back and said, well, her husband wants to come. The grandkids want to come. The whole family's coming uh, at Christmas time to be here for the Christmas program and then stay over on Sunday to worship with you on a Sunday morning and get to meet a lot of you wonderful people. And so thank you so much for uh, your love and your hospitality. I love your staff. And I could go on and on, but you have a, such a marvelous staff, and I, I just love each and every one of them, and they just just have been so special to me, and I, I thank you all so much, and, uh, and thank you for the honor in letting me be here. I told the kids a moment ago that we were going to talk briefly tonight about the second coming of the Lord. I believe that we're nearing his return. I told the young people a moment ago, you turn on the television and you can see prophecy coming to pass just day by day by day. And I believe that this generation shall not pass till Jesus comes. I really believe that. And so I just want to read some scripture to you tonight, beginning in Matthew. I want to just lay the foundation of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, but in Matthew, the 24th chapter, uh, it reads as this. It says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. See, it's not important what I say, but it is important what God's word says. He said, Heaven and earth may pass away, but his words will not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I'm not here to tell you tonight that I know the day nor the hour. I do not know. No one knows, not even the angels. But listen to what he says in the next verse. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marriage, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Knew not until the floods came, took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then then, uh, then shall two be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord does come. Now, there's several things that we need to notice. Number one is, 
It is not important what we say, but it is important what God's Word says. Secondly, no man knows the day nor the hour, not even the angels, but only God. But as the days that were before the flood, so shall it be in the day of His return. Talked about two in the field, two women grinding together. One will be taken, one will be left. When Jesus comes, He's coming for His children. And the Bible says that you and I are to watch for we know not what hour he does come. I told you young people a moment ago that we could talk about it from Matthew chapter 24 and other verses in the New Testament, but what I want to do tonight is show you how that God in Genesis chapter 4 was already prophesying what was going to happen immediately before Jesus' return. Isn't that amazing? You say, well, how do you get that? Well, from that scripture that Jesus said. He says, as it was before the flood, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in his, his return. Now, you and I know, of course, the Bible's not written by chapters and verses as we know it. But as you and I know it, we understand that Genesis 1 and 2 deals with what? With the creation. And then Genesis 3 deals with what? With the creation of Adam and Eve. And then Genesis 5 deals with what? It talks about the generation of Adam. And then in lastly, in Genesis chapter 6, it says it grieved God's heart that he even created man. And so Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the only period of time that you and I have recorded between the creation and the destruction of the flood is only found in Genesis chapter 4. That's the only period of time that we have recorded between the creation of Adam and Eve, and the flood. And when I read that, I wanted to go back and see what happened before the flood that would relate to the day that you and I live in. I've said for years I was amazed at what I saw, but I'm more amazed tonight as I stand here at how rapidly these things are coming to pass. As a matter of fact, when we go to bed tonight, three of the four are totally out of control. We lay our head down tonight believing that some way, somehow they're going to get better and we know in our heart that it's not. So let's go to Genesis chapter 4 and let's see what happened before the flood that's going to happen before Jesus' return. In Genesis chapter 4, four things that I want you to notice. One is in verse 16. Notice what it says. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now, if you interpret that scripture, it would read like this. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of wandering on the east of Eden. You say, well, why is that important? Because I believe that in the last days, we're going to see a great falling away. Now, listen to me. Not of lost people, but of God's people. Well, you see, here was a man that says, I know God, and God knows me. And even though that I know God, and God knows me, I don't want God. As a matter of fact, I'm going to flee out into the land of wondering. I want to ask you tonight, when have we ever lived in a time like we're living in now that more people confess to know God, and God knows them, that have nothing to do with God? My friend, we're seeing a tremendous falling away, not of lost people, but of God's people. 
People who confess with, with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, but they deny him with their life. We live in an age of convenient Christianity. Everybody wants Christianity as long as it's convenient. Well, my friend, I'm here to tell you tonight, Christianity is not a convenient walk with God. It is a total walk. The Bible says in the last days, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You and I know, look at any sporting event, turn on the television on any given Sunday day, and look at the, the stadiums that are literally packed out with thousands upon thousands of thousands of people watching sporting events. But yet on Sunday morning, our churches sit empty. In the last days, there's going to be a great falling away of God's people. People who say that they know God and God knows them that don't want. I, I read an article, an average Christian, now I'm just talking about an average, an average Christian doesn't even have a daily prayer life. An average Christian doesn't attend church regularly. An average Christian doesn't even read their Bible daily. An average Christian doesn't give anything financially to God. That's an average Christian. When we say that we know God and God knows us and we confess with our mouth that we love God and that God loves us, but we do not desire to serve Him. A great falling away. You say, well, that's just coincidental. Well, let's look at the next verse. Look at verse 17. And Cain knew his wife, she conceived and bore Enoch, and he built a, what's the next word? Many of y'all are following. What's the next word? City. And called the name of the city after the name of his son. Did you know that's the first time in the Bible that word is mentioned? The very first time. And so the Bible says, here comes along a man said, look, there's no need for us to be separated. Let's come together. Let's pool our technology and let's build this thing called a city and we'll name it after my son. Let me ask you this. Just 75 years ago, 75 years ago, where did the majority of the population of the world live? in the rural areas. But 75 years later, tonight, where does the majority of the population of the world live? In the cities. You say that's coincidental. No, Jesus said that what happened then is going to happen immediately before it's coming, that his people will not want him. That in the last days, cities will be built like they've never been built before. And you and I sit here tonight to know that our cities are built like they've never been built before. And we are building highways on top of highways to accommodate the people that we have in our cities. And we don't know what to do with them. You say, well, I'm still not convinced. Well, let me give you the third one. Look at verse 19. And Lamech took unto him, what's the next word? 
two wives. Isn't that amazing? See, that word had never been mentioned in the Bible before. And you and I know that when God created Adam, God looked at Adam and said, it's not good that man be made alone. And out of Adam, God created woman. And for the very first time, God said, it is very good. But here comes along a man. He said, look, wait a minute. God may have wanted one man and one woman, but that's not what I want. As a matter of fact, out of the lustness of my heart, I don't want one wife. I want two wives. And he violated what God created to be holy and perfect in God's sight. I say that in the last days, you know what you're going to see? The breakdown of the family. Because of the lustfulness of man's heart that knows what is right and what is wrong, they're going to go against God and consume it upon their own self, that which they want, not what God wants. And look where we are tonight. We have more broken families tonight than ever before. Sin runs rapid. Some of you kids, and I've preached this to my from my heart. Some of you kids face the biggest peer pressure that, 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 that anyone could ever face. You live in a society today where other kids say, well, everybody else is doing it, so why can't you do it? You're living in a society today where people try to put you down and other kids try to avoid you and everybody's trying to push you into that peer pressure uh, atmosphere of having to do this and having to do that and doing this and doing that just in order to be accepted. And then on top of all of that, many of you precious little girls you go out and you get to the age of dating and you go out with boys and all of a sudden that boy somewhere in the, in the midst of that dating episode says, listen, if you really loved me, it wouldn't matter because one day we're going to be together forever and I'm going to, I love you and I care about you. So really and truly, if you really love me, you would just simply go all the way. And young girls by the droves are ruining their lives because they're listening to the little lie. Because if that boy really loved you, he would cherish you. He would protect you. He would lift you up. He would care about you. He would not want to degrade you. He would not want to put you down. But you and I know we live in that society today. The number one site on the internet, you know what it is? Pornography. Pornography is the number one site on the internet. It's not that we do not know what's right. It's because we want to consume it for our own lust, that which we want more than what God wants. Jesus says, in the last days, the family, the morals of the family is going to be thrown out the window. We live in, a, in an age today that divorce doesn't mean anything. Cheating doesn't mean anything. It's just what we want, not what God has commanded. 
So what are you going to see? You're going to see in the last days a falling away of God's people. You're going to see churches after churches empty Sunday after Sunday simply because those that say that they know God and God knows them, they're not going to want God. And then you're going to see the cities being built like they've never been built before. Then you're going to see the family torn apart and the moral fiber of the family just being thrown to the wind. You say, well, I'm still not convinced. Let me give you the last one. Look what it says here in verse 23. And Lamech said unto his wives, now remember he's got two wives. Now notice what he says to his wives. Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, and hearken unto my speech. You know, I've always said I, I didn't have but one wife. And I usually always went home after a revival. And I tell people all the time, you know, my wife and I, we had been married up almost nearly 56 years. I didn't learn a lot in marriage, but I learned this. I would not dare walk into my house and say, listen up, you wife of Herman Kramer, because that's about the end of my statement, amen? But I want you to see the pridefulness of this man. He walks into his house, and he's got two wives, and he said, listen up, you wives of Lamech, and listen to what I have to say. Now, notice what he tells them. He says to his two wives, I have slayed a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. Did you know that's the first time that's in the Bible? You have a man bragging about the violence that he committed on another. When have we ever lived in a time that violence is at the stage that it is? tonight our prisons are run over and over and over and, and many times some of those that commit violence they're not even sorry for what they do and if you give them an opportunity they'll brag about what they did to somebody else but Jesus said that's going to happen in the last days that you're going to see violence uncontrollable braggable you're going to see cities built. You're going to see the family broke down. You're going to see that his children will not want him. You say, that's bad. No, it's really good because here's what it says in Genesis chapter 6. It says in verse 5, And God saw the wickedness was great upon the earth, and that every imagination of thought of his heart was only evil continuously. And it repented the Lord that he had made man upon earth, and it grieved him at his heart. But the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth, both man, beast, creeping things, fowls of the air. For it repented me that I ever made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Whoa. I wonder what God says tonight as he looks at our country and sees what's going on in our country. I wonder tonight if it grieves God and what he sees. But the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I love that story. You know, we think it's kids' story, but in reality, it's all of our stories. Have you ever thought about it? I mean, here's Noah. He, he's working one day, and God says, Noah. And Noah looks around. He says, Noah. And Noah looks around. God says, look up, Noah. Noah looks up. He says, yes, God. Remember, Noah's the only righteous man in the world. Noah looks up and says, yes, God. 
God says, build an ark. What's an ark? That's a boat. What's a boat? That's a thing that floats in water. What water? It had never rained upon this earth before. But you know what the Bible says? Noah believed God. And Noah began to build that ark. And I've often thought, I imagine that people thought that Noah was the most weird guy in town. Can you imagine one man out there building this thing? Whoa, this big old ark. And they say, kids, when they didn't have anything to do, they'd say, let's go down and see the old weirdo. And they'd go down to the end of town. I could just imagine them. And get down there, they'd punch one another and say, you ask him. No, you ask him. You ask him. And one of the kids would finally get enough nerve. And they'd say, Mr. Noah. And he would stop. He said, yes. They said, what are you building? He said, I'm building an ark. They said, what's an ark? He said, that's a boat. What boat? He said, that's the thing that's going to float in water. They said, what water? Here's what he said. He said, that's the judgment that's coming. And God's going to send a judgment upon this world. And it's going to rain. And everything outside of this ark that has breath is going to die. They laughed. It ain't never rain. <laughs> you crazy, man. And they'd go their way. Listen to me, kids. 120 years building on that ark, building on that ark. Have you ever thought what it was the how it was the first day it began to rain? I don't know. I think about weird things like that. I can just imagine a man plowing in the field and all of a sudden what he's doing gets all messed up and everything and he thinks, I'll just go back to the house. You know, I don't, it'll go away. And he starts to the house and mama comes out of the house and she says, Daddy, Daddy, what is that? He says, I don't know, but don't worry, it'll go away. And they go in the house. And I can just imagine the kids running through the house and they said, Mom, Dad, what is that out there? Dad says, I don't know, but don't worry about it. It'll go away. They watched it, and all day it just kept coming. It just kept coming. I don't know. Bedtime comes. Daddy says, it's time to go to bed. And, and, and Mom said, well, Dad, what about? He said, look, when you all get up in the morning, it's going to be gone. They all go to bed. The next morning, I can just imagine. Daddy's the first one up. He goes into the living room. He pulls back the curtains, and he looks, and he notices it's everywhere. About that time, Mama walks up beside him, and she says, Daddy, look, it's everywhere. What is it, Daddy? Daddy said, I don't know. About that time, the kids run through the house. And they said, Mom, Dad, look, it's everywhere. What is it? And they said, we don't know, but don't worry about it. It'll go away. And it kept coming. Listen to me, kids. Sometime in that day, I think, I don't know. But sometime in that day, maybe, maybe one of the kids, maybe a teenage girl, maybe it was a young man, said, Daddy, do you think that's what that old man was talking about over there? Daddy said, who? <laughs> Noah? He said, yeah. He said, no, everybody knows old man Noah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And they said, well, you know, you, you sure? Daddy said, I don't know. <laughs> Look, if y'all want to go down there, we'll go down there and make sure. 
They said, let's go. And I can just imagine mom, dad, and the kids. They step out of the house. Watch this, kids. They're walking down the road, and all of a sudden they realize the water's deeper than they thought. But here's what they found out, that not only was the water falling from the sky, but the Bible says the water was gushing from the ground. They walked down to the end of town where the old man was building the ark. They walked up, and there was already a crowd gathered around. They were together, and Daddy walks up to the midst of the crowd, and he looks around. He says, where's the old man? They said, he's not here today. He said, what do you mean he's not here? He's always here. They said, well, we've been around that thing. He's not here today. And Daddy pushed his way in front of the crowd, and all of a sudden he looked up at that big thing that he had built. He said, Mr. Noah, are you in there? And all of a sudden he heard a voice said, yes, I'm here. Daddy laughed. He said, this wasn't what you were talking about, was it? He said, it is. Daddy said, not really, is it? And he said, yes, sir. He said, this is it. And he heard Mr. Noah says, everything outside of this ark is going to die today. All of a sudden, Daddy reaches for his billfold. He said, Mr. Noah, we were just teasing. He said, how much money would it take for us to go? He said, it's not for sale. It's too late. It's too late. Daddy stepped closer to the ark and he looked and he said, Mr. Noah, please, please, at least take my family. And he heard the old man said, it's too late. It's too late. All of a sudden, I can imagine Mama walking up close to the ark and she grabs the side and says, please, Mr. Noah, Noah, please take my children. I don't want them to die. And she heard the old man say, it's too late. All of a sudden, that big teenage girl begins to cry. That big teenage boy begins to cry. They say, we don't want to die, Mama. We don't want to die. All of a sudden, they heard the old man say, it's too late. It's too late. Daddy looks up and he says, Mr. Noah, all you have to do is open the door. I promise you, Mr. Noah, we want to go. When he heard the old man said, that's the problem. I can't open the door. Daddy says, what do you mean you can't open the door? You built it. Surely you can open it. When he heard the old man say this, I built it, but God shut it. The Bible says one day, one day, in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, It'll be over just that quick. It'll be over. Time will be no more. You won't even have time to blink your eyes. You will not even have time to open your lips to say, God, I want to go. God, I was just teasing. I want to go. Time will be no more. You say, that's bad. No, here's the best part. Listen to me, kids. 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Calvary, God built an ark out of an old rugged cross. It cost God, His Son, to die upon that cross. And for 2,000 years, God has sent His Noah saying, there's a judgment coming. There's a judgment coming. And one day, in a moment, 
in a twinkle of an eye, everything that has breath that's not inside the ark is going to die. It's going to die. Please come before it's too late. Some have laughed. Others have turned away. Many have said he hasn't come yet. Why should we believe he's coming soon? But one day, Jesus is coming again. Listen to me tonight. It's not a question of whether Jesus is coming or not. It's a question. Will you be ready? Because everything outside that cross is one day going to die without him. Do you know him? Do you know him? I told you young people a moment ago. Listen to me, and I mean it from my heart. I'm not trying to make you a church member. I'm preaching my heart out tonight for you to become a Christian. I want you to know that you know that when that time comes that you'll be taken and not left behind. Some of you are sitting right there where you are and in your heart this is what you're saying. I hope I go. I think I'll go. Maybe I'll go. But young people, Christianity it's not a hope so, think so, maybe so. It's a no so. You can know that you're a child of God. And we're going to give you that opportunity tonight. And just as I talked to you earlier, for those that will believe in their heart that Jesus died, was buried, rose the third day, ascended heaven, one day is coming again, you'll believe that in your heart and be willing to give him your heart and repent of your sins, that you call and you can be saved. So let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, all across this room tonight, I just want to ask you a real simple question. How many of you would say tonight, Brother Herman, if Jesus came tonight, I don't know if I would be taken. I hope so, I think so, maybe so, but Brother Herman, I cannot say that I know that I would be taken, but I want to know, would you slip up your hand and say, pray for me? Just slip it up. God bless you, young lady. God bless you, 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 you. Just raise it up. Why would you want to leave here and not know tonight? Anyone else in this auditorium? Just raise your hand. Let me see it. I see it over here in the middle. Who else would say tonight? I don't know, but I want over there on the left. Thank you, young man. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to sing an invitation. We're not going to trick you. We're not going to pressure you. We're not going to embarrass you. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you raise your hand on the very first verse, I want you to step out and I want you to come. By you coming down here and standing by Brother Charles or Jason or by Case, what you're saying tonight is I want to know that when Jesus comes that I'll be taken. 
I want to know. Would you do that? Let's stand to our feet and sing this invitation. And you that raise your hand, you come on right now. Just come on down here and stand. My brother Charles and Case and Jason, come on. Come on, come on, right over here. Come on down here to the front from over there.